0: So, a practice, as indeed our life is, is a, a mandala of a range of factors, concerns, conditions, just as our life is a mandala of relationships and activities and physical conditions and social conditions and aspirations and difficulties and so on. And the whole kind of weave, isn't it? And this is the Essential presentation of the reality or conditional reality that the Buddha presented is of not any, no one condition stands alone. Uh, everything is supported by everything else for good and for bad. You know, if you line up the good conditions, then you're going to get good results. If you line up the bad ones, you're going to get bad results. Most people get a bit of a mix. You know, a lot of good, a few ineffective or uh, uncultivated aspects you know Mm -hmm. things we're not so good at we haven't really worked out great intellect but physically quite not you know physically quite sick or emotionally not very capable (laughs) and vice versa people are uh, you know very good with other people but can't manage uh, machinery and and vice versa Mm -hmm. Yeah, people who are quite happy with crowds groups of people people who feel very frightened and closed down in groups of people but are great individuals you know so these different factors we have to recognize you know what are they not just keep bringing forth the good ones which is a good idea at least for starters but then you've also got to go back and review which are the ones that are not so effective that need to be brought on up to you know online so this is where you keep reviewing practice and yesterday i was talking about the five indriya these are you might have not noticed that these five i call them guardians they're also called powers potencies those which have capacity to work for you and these are five indriya um, faith um, energy, mindfulness, uh, samadhi, and wisdom, discernment, these five. And they're called Indra. Indra was the king of the gods, so this means that who really got a lot of authority, capacity to, to, uh, um, to lead, direct you. They're authorities. And with these, the Buddha says, these five, when properly matured, merge in the deathless. But when they all blended together, when they blend together, this is really interesting, isn't it? When these heart qualities, Dhamma qualities, pertinent to this particular realm, this particular way of experience, when these merge together, and then the result is the uh, liberation mm. or the realization of an undying reality or a, uh, a quality that doesn't change even as circumstances change around it. They're pretty important qualities, and uh, so that helps you to realize it's not just about being mindful. No, it's not just about being kind no those are all good things but it's about how everything blends together mm. and so we can see uh you know like you look, they're always described as having to be balanced so you can see well faith is very open quality it's that willingness that beginner's mind faith you know okay let's see and uh that it's generally balanced with wisdom, which means, yeah, let's see, but also let's keep alert. We're not gonna just go blindly, naively into things. We're gonna we're gonna keep alert and discerning as to what's helpful and what's not helpful. Mm. What's skillful and what's not skillful, what's relevant and what's not relevant. So wisdom is a is a differentiating, discerning quality. Mm. But you soon, so these two balance each other. They also support each other because if there's no openness, you can't really have any wisdom if you it' just all closed down. You need, you need something to work around it. You've got to have a sense of everything's on the table. Let's just look at it before we can really sort it out. Now, if you're not prepared to put everything on the table, it means if you have a sense of you're only putting half yourself on the table, <laughs> then you don't, you know, you're not going to get very wise. So you have got to bring it all forth, being open to all of it—the you know, the confusing, the the bright, the poignant, disturbed, all of it. You know? So that sense of just opening as this. This is the conditioned realm, and not having a pre-judgment. You know, sometimes uh, we don't. So discernment. We just see. Well, this is. This just needs a little bit of time. There's nothing wrong, it just needs more time to develop. This thing, this kind of strength, this you know, in anger that you have, this kind of impatience and fury, yeah, yeah. It's good to have the strength of that, but you need to put it in the right direction. Yeah. This sense of doubt, skepsis, and uncertainty, that's good. You're not going to buy anything useless but also you're not going to buy anything useful so you've got to say if you're in a sense of doubt when you're super when you're witnessing that say, well in all this where is a certainty the certainty is that doubt can't settle anywhere can't can't settle it makes you feel unstable so just even to know doubt is doubt that's certain And you can witness the movement of doubt and you can see what doubt is trying to do. It's trying to find certainty in a thought. Well, if you open to that and discern it, you find that you you don't get certainty in a thought. Thoughts don't provide certainty. They provide things that seem to be certain, but actually everything is changeable. Things are, things are inconstant. Mm. You know, cuddly dogs can also be savage animals. Mm. Nice sweet cats can be killers. Mm. Mm. Whatever we describe something as, it's a bit bigger than that. And it's changeable. So you're just seeing, oh, thought is not a reliable sense that it doesn't reliably give you certainty. So the sense of doubt is quite wise in a way. You know, it doesn't believe in this thought or that thought, but the problem is it's still searching for a thought or an idea or a belief. And so wisdom is saying, just look more clearly into why doubt is there. What can you rely upon? So, you can rely upon non harming. That's not just an idea. You can rely upon sharing. That's not just an idea. So, it turns you back to heart realities. You see, your wisdom, you can turn even unfavorable conditions when you understand what they're trying to do and how they just need guidance so our fearfulness when you feel frightened you know, overwhelmed that's a sign uh, mm, Yeah, you need to be alert be alert and uh, when you... so take the fearfulness or the uncertainty be alert because things are uncertain and you are vulnerable with that alertness you come back to stability your alertness is stable your alertness is stable because things are uncertain and threatening we need to be very alert. Therefore you find a steady centre in the middle of a cosmos that is vast and unmanageable. So in wisdom open things up, look squarely at some of these things these qualities we find problematic, passions. what are they trying to do they're trying to warm us up give us some life make us feel more alive and get passionately involved with this or with that or with him or with her what's it trying to do make us feel rich and full and alive good idea but it doesn't happen that way (laughs) it happens uh, through bringing it back home a lot of the time, we're throwing ourselves away onto you know, objects, conditions that we can't can't actually provide what we're looking for. Mm. Um, similarly, you. Dhamma practice, you know, you can have a range of different teachers and teachings, and which is the right one, and, you know, say, well, notice the results, how they affect you. Generally, a lot of them have got some rightness in them, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to them. Uh, but none of them, I wouldn't imagine any of them, including mine, are exactly right for you all the time. So, but then got, nothing can be, can it? The only thing that could be right for you all the time, really, is your own discernment, faith, mindfulness, energy, and collectiveness. These two other, indriya, energy, and samadhi, collectedness, also help to balance each other, also uh, enrich each other. Just as the role of wisdom eventually is to give us more confidence in our own hearts, yeah? because you do realize you can know and you can see uh, and it's not through acquiring uh, ideas from other people though so other people can certainly nudge and remind you and get you to, th- to look at things for yourself mm-hmm. so the uh, role of discernment is to increase your, your faith until you have confidence where confidence is possible in your own heart in your own practice and all teaching should eventually lead back to that, encourage that, you know, find a pathway to that. Now I was saying with energy and samadhi or collectedness, composure, settledness, in some ways they balance each other out. Energy if it's it's uh, if you're getting too settled and stagnant, then you want some more energy to liven things up. Sometimes people, when they Aim for calm, get rather dull, and um, you know quietest, which means we resist having any, being affected or involved with anything. Mm. We just want to close down and be completely quiet. Mm. You don't want to have to deal with thoughts and feelings. And uh, the idea is to constantly turn the energy down, quiet it down. You know? Well, energy is a vital part of practice. So, calm generally comes rather later in cultivation. Deep calm comes rather late. The first thing is to get your energy right. That's why it's the second indriya. Get your energy right. When um, energy is right, and it, you know, then it's going to um, uh, support embodiment. You're gonna withdraw your energy from external conditions, from irrelevant conditions, so it needs wisdom. Don't put energy into that. Leave that alone. Don't bother with that. Don't let your mind run off into that. It's not necessary now. And so you withdraw, you disengage. Doesn't mean you shut down, shut your energy down. You just withdraw it from those topics, those areas, and you you bring it back, you bring it back, you bring it back, you bring it back to center or central issues where is my stability, where is my openness, where is my clarity, bringing it back. So bringing it back from the sense world, where it's, by default, it runs out into the sense world, and you're bringing it back to the heart world. So the heart is not spent, um, spending its treasures. Um, This is, naturally, this viveka, this this disengagement, is an important thing to emphasize since... You know, daily life, social world, generally, getting a living, it expects you to give heart, soul, body, mind to the work. So you get a tremendous encouragement to drive your energy out, productivity, gains, speed, new, and so forth. And even when you're not working, the idea is be stimulated, go to a vibrant place, Get vibrant, stimulated you know, how exciting, how an exciting time <laughs> so you know, is just you know, poured out <laughs> so we say no, actually, those sounds good, otherwise you wouldn't bother to do it but the results are you lose vitality in the centre mm. And so, this sense of uh, withdrawal, gathering energy together into your embodiment, complete embodiment, you know, both from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet, across your body, and even into the ground and space around you, and also into the, the qualities there the warming, the vibrancy, the firmness. The way it moves so you're really with it and keeping everything collected in it and also knowing how to move when you do walking meditation how to move smoothly you know so the energy flows as you move along and this itself is an education because certainly you know walking in, in for many people or for average person just generally a matter of getting somewhere with the idea of getting there fairly quickly so it's a scuttle, it's, it's a rush it's, it's not a you're not concerned with the, the composure and the deportment of the body you're concerned with getting to where you need to go so your energy in walking is immediately thrusting forward uh, and the same thing with conversations your energy in a conversation be to get to the end of the conversation to get your point across you know, to get to, the, to the, the end of the sentence before you've begun it so it's this kind of rushing on energy, or or also targeted energy, it has to get to that point. So the mode of which way energy moves, we don't really even notice, it just just zaps out and it can come out very blurred uh, and hasty and uh, uh, we lose grace, we lose receptivity, uh, we lose um, uh, wholeness Bits of our mind are rushing off in different directions, leaving the rest of us behind. You know? You see that you go to city life, people are often just like heads on wheels, or heads not even on wheels, but heads with rocket ships on them, just rushing off here, there, here, there, and losing contact with the body in here and now. So energy moderated, and this is the skill it disengage, draw back. Now this kind of collecting, you see, that's not about concentrating as such, although you can say it has a concentrating effect. The effect is of discerning and releasing and centering what feels more stable. So it's a wise process of engaging and settling in and feeling the qualities of settling in. Mm. Which means you linger. And the two uh well, the two agents or two of the agents of that are in Buddhism it's called Vitaka Vichara which vitakavichara, vitaka vichara, you can look it up, but it means you both place your attention on something and you and you listen to it. How's that? You touch something how's that? You see, you know. You notice something, how's that? You place your attention on your on your body, how's that? You place your attention on your feet as you walk, how's that? touch touching, placing and sensing, how's that, how's that? Uh, and you lengthen, as you lengthen the lingering process of evaluating, of sensing, of dwelling in, then you get the finer, subtler qualities of, of that experience. And particularly in terms of of feeling energies in your body and mind, body and heart, this lingering is very important because we might think, OK, well, if I, you know, take three steps, as soon as I've taken those, those three steps, one, two, three, that's the end of that. No, it's not. That may be the end of the sensations, but the energy, you know, is moving on it takes a little while for it to to settle down doesn't it just as it took obviously when you're running you run somewhere and you stop running your energy doesn't stop running it's running and then slowing and slowing and slowing and breathing is the same thing you may think okay that's the end of the in breath then the out breath begins not really if you're following the energy of it it doesn't exactly begin and end it wells up. It's welling up. It comes to a, a, you know, the the what we call we think the inhalation is ending, and in fact it's just opening, opening and poor and lingering and opening. You stay there, sensing in that lingering. How aspects of your nervous system, your nervous energy, start to unfold. Ah, into deeper receptivity. Ah, and then the breathing out as you breathe out you release, 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 release as you breathe out Till you get to what you feel is the end of the out breath but still the releasing quality can still continue and you get deeper, deeper, deeper releasing so even though the sensations have passed away the energy doesn't pass away it just goes through phases and often the phases that we miss are What we call the beginnings of endings of experience, because in terms of energy, they don't end. They just—it's like like the sea. The wave wells up, and it goes into a trough, and it wells up again. But there's no break. There's no one, two, three. There's just this waving, and it's in the welling up. If you. Lingering, noticing what wells up, and how it passes away. Also, your energy system begins to become much wider and more subtle and receptive. Because if it's just stopping at the end of something and starting again, do you get what I mean? I mean, things are not haven't retained the openness and subtler qualities of energetic. Extension and receptivity are being cut off, and so if you know, you're breathing out, feeling the out breath. And somewhere near the end of it, there can be emotional, an emotional sense of letting go, and trust, and quieting, and non-doing and non-doing that's a very important aspect of your life to be with when your energy is not doing but it's not dead it's alive potent restful gathering and then the inhalation rises out of that it comes to the top it's open Opening, opening, till it's complete. So, in that openness is a tremendous uh, uh, kind of space that we sense. You can sense everything is on. Everything's paused. The next moment we don't know, and we don't need to know because this energy is. Subtle, but our attention is being held by that into openness. Yeah. And then it turns again. This keeps practice fresh. Obviously something like following breathing can get pretty tedious if you do it mechanically. One breath, two breaths, count to ten, back again. Yeah, how long do you want to play that game? Before it gets kind of tedious. Kind of like, so what? (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah. Because we're still on top of it, deciding one, two, three, four, four, you know, I've got to get this right. And that attitude is, uh, not respectful. It's not, um, it's too controlling. Too goal oriented. We don't need it. Sure, your mind's going to wander, but just returning, getting interested in how is the breathing feeling now, reminding ourselves. Vitaka, place it back. How is it now? Vichara, linger, open to it. And it's not just, oh, it's another breath, it's always a sense of the whole body is opening. Notice what is opening. How do you feel that? And when your heart connects to that, what's that experience? The heart being opened. And of course, although the opening of the bodily energy is deeply refreshing and um, quite beautiful, the opening of the heart energy is truly transformative because our heart energy is normally held within a particular frame of reference often to do with ownership making things happen it's held within an identity package this is mine, I own, or trying to own uh, get things done so its energies are rather biased and limited and when the heart opens And so there's no owning, no having to anything, no obligation. We call this released. And lingering in that when there's no need for the next moment. There's no right or wrong. Lingering in that learning to linger in that rather than what I'm supposed to be doing now Mm. Mm. for that you have to follow the energy that's what it wants to do that's its nature, it's like the waves of the sea they want to rise and fall and if you stay with that process you're going to find it begins to dissolve a lot of the old fixed patterns, certainties and constrictions that we experience. And it's this dissolving of that that is supportive of samadhi or deepening, collecting. It's not the old pattern becoming more fixed and, and, you know, (laughs) It's not the old attitudes finally finding a way they can own and control and make things stop the way they should do. No, it's the relinquishment of the old attitudes and finding an unforced, uncontrolled stability that feels pleasant, supportive, that carries you rather than you doing it. So this is. If this is cultivated, then we get past the dreary meditation experience where we think we're just struggling and trying to make it work and trying to get mindful and so forth. We get past that. To feel. This is the place where I, you know, if I, if I find the balance and I f- reflect on these qualities and carry them through and, and learn, I get tremendous resources Uh, beyond me as a person it really is a sacred process so energy properly steered supports collectedness and of course the theme of collectedness helps us to steer energy like don't let energy rush out here and there gather it together and so you do gathering it together, but then not just closing it down, but feeling it, putting it in the right track, putting the track of the body, the track of the breathing, putting it in the right track, so it begins to lose its wayward uh, patterns, mm? and then opening the heart to it, so the heart loses its fear, anxiety, need to be, and it can release. Mm? And so then right energy supports collectedness. Collectedness supports right energy. Right energy counteracts the, the, the idea of everything going quiet. But it does bring around the, the result of, of serenity. And mindfulness is, you know, the fifth of these it's just bearing all this in mind. You know, bearing this in mind. Bearing the process in mind. Staying in tune. You could say vittaka vichara is, is an agent of mindfulness. It's keeping us on track, on topic. You know? and wisdom is a function of mindfulness. It's giving us what's called sampajana. Sampajana. Direct knowing. Clear knowing. Rather than abstract knowing how things are. So mindfulness supports this view, this clear comprehension, Sampajjana. So mindfulness is bound up with all of these. mm? And all of these support mindfulness. mm? So that we do stay on topic, the topic of liberation. Topic of release topic of unbinding from our stuck stuff topic of release from clinging and there are many different ways you can frame this, this topic Nibbana the unbinding non-clinging uh, liberation the deathless unconditioned free from conditions uh, open stability is another phrase you can use you know, because it all amounts to the same same core experience you know, and you begin to understand why is there clinging because we're looking for stability but the clinging is a mistaken search for that trying to find stability by holding on to ideas, views you know, trying to maintain stability by hanging, holding on to notions of oneself hmm? it's the motivation is instinctive, let me find stability, but that needs wise guidance. See, so actually, it's through the letting go of these that we find the true stability. And as we get more stable in our practice, there is the ability to let go. Because letting go, naturally, is something we can, it's an easy phrase to roll off the off the tongue, isn't it? but often we're dealing with things that are not we don't decide to cling it's a reflex that happens when we get lose our stability we get knocked around um, we do get knocked around and so we grab hold of something that will give me some comfort I do feel lost and bereft therefore I cling to something that will give me some sense of gratification and happiness and it's a reflex so You can't cut the reflex until you realign it. That search for stability and happiness is a reasonable search. You're just pointing in the wrong direction. We need to return to something so intrinsic that we overlook it, which is our own center. So intrinsic that we overlook it, so intrinsic, and yet we barely know what we're talking about and yet all the time there's that center the average person calls it me okay call it me if you like except it has no name no body no nationality uh, uh, no language uh, you want to call it me you can call it me but it's, it's not the kind of me that not people normally call a me because it doesn't have any territory. It's not it's not a physical thing, it's not it's the release from that. You could say, you know, in some teachings they call it my true self. You could call it that, I guess. Except why call it a self? What what's so self about it? <laughs> Since it's the same for everyone, I don't have the patent on it, it's not just belongs to Ajahn Sajjittos, it's everybody's, it's where the heart finds its rest. So we don't call it, I don't call it self, because there's nothing that separates it from anything else at that level, at that level of release, there's no differentiation. So you can't really call it self or me, but you can call it the undifferentiated. Course the undifferentiated is not a great phrase, it doesn't sound particularly attractive. <laughs> so we okay about release or deathless or non-clinging. Or oh, another word, not suffering. That sounds that sounds good, yeah. I'll do i aim for that. <laughs> so non-suffering. And so this is what these five injury have properly cultivated bring around. Yeah.